0: Hello, I'm Carrie Ann. Welcome to another service with Pastor Ray Dieter at Grace Baptist Church. Please check out our website, gbcevansville.org. There you'll find videos of our youth and children's services, daily devotions, and other ministries our church has to offer. We invite you to join us on Sunday mornings for an in-person service where we'll practice social distancing and follow safety guidelines. Now, let's hear what Pastor Ray has to say. Because, you know, back in the day we had more than one hymnal. But Grandpa would get up and say either, get the green book and turn to such and such, or get the red book and turn to such and such. (laughs) I think the red book was called Sacred Hymns, is that right? Yeah. I remember him singing that. Uh, It was my mother's father. He led the music for, I don't know. 500 years <laughs> a lot longer than I've been alive a lot longer than my mother had been alive oh well I, I did forget a prayer request I remembered it about the time I was putting my mic on um, Dustin Hartman has cancer in his leg he was one of our young men in the church. Uh, been a while since he's been here. He's uh, he's been elsewhere, but a lot of his family is still here, and uh, they can't operate on it. So they're waiting to find out what they're going to do. And while they were waiting to find out what they were going to do, he fell and had a heart attack. <laughs> So, we definitely want to keep him and the entire family in prayers. And, and I want to kind of connect some dots with you. Uh, he is the uncle of baby Lemire that just passed away recently. That family's taken a hit, so you all need to keep them in your prayer. Um, all right. See how I get when I don't have my notes? I forget stuff. Sorry about that. Okay remember last week we uh, we were with Jesus and the disciples and it was about midnight and they were walking from the upper room to the garden and they were walking on this cool night Um, if you trace back in the days you'll see the moon was nice and full I mean not completely full but nice and bright so it was a good walking night well Jesus taught the disciples all about what we talked last week, all in John chapter 16. But that wasn't all. Right after he taught them all of that stuff, Jesus stops. And he starts to pray. Now, a a lot of us think about those kind of things when we're going about our daily life, but how many of us just stop and start praying, no matter what? Well, this message is entitled, The Goat. (laughs) I think that's funny. I first heard that term talking about Michael Jordan, not Tom Brady, Michael Jordan. (laughs) I just want to clarify. It means... Greatest of all time. And I'll quote Herschel Ford in saying that chapter 17 is the greatest prayer ever offered. It was offered by Jesus himself. And it breaks down into three different sections. So, starting with the first section, it's him. Jesus prays for himself. Verse 1, chapter 17. Jesus spoke these things, talking about everything the entire last week, what we talked about. He spoke all of that. And then he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. One hour! If you go back through any of the Gospels, back before this occurrence, you're going to see Jesus say a lot of, My hour's not come yet. It's not time. My hour's not come. So, now it's come. So what hour are we talking about? Well, let's look on. Still in verse 1. We didn't make it very far. Still in verse 1. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you since you gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone that you have given him glorify your son so that he may glorify you well we know this because we know the ending of the book he's talking about the crucifixion it's it's getting really really close As a matter of fact the very next chapter in the book is when Jesus is portrayed I mean, we are right on the edge of everything. So Jesus says, The hour has come. Glorify me so that I may glorify you. And not only that, so that he may give eternal life to everyone that you, God, have given him. Verse 3, this is, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God the, and the one that you have sent, Jesus Christ. Now, let's clarify something. Everybody has eternal life. Saved and unsaved. You all understand that, right? Our bodies die, our soul is going on to live eternally somewhere. So, I'm putting it in today's language. Eternal life means soul doesn't die. Our soul don't die. It's going to live somewhere forever. And you got two shots. You're going to heaven or you're going to hell. But somewhere, you're going to live eternally. That's why Jesus clarifies this eternal life that they may know you, the only true God. And know is not talking about know about or the way we use the word know. It's the word know that means to have a relationship with. To be at one with the Father and Jesus. And we'll get into that a lot more when he moves on. But that's just a little bit of taste of what's to come. Verse 4 says, I have glorified you, I, Jesus, have glorified you, God, on earth, by completing the work that you have gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence... With that glory I had with you before the world existed. Jesus gave up a lot to become man. And now he's asking to be glorified with that glory that they had from before the earth. Can you imagine how much that is? I mean, a human body would just take it and go... (laughs) But, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's kind of the image I'm getting. No one but Jesus would be able to handle the true glory of God. And I kind of get why he's praying this. He's nervous. Who, who wouldn't be? Now, yes, he's God, but he's also a man. He's fixing to die violently. And he knows what's coming. He knows what he's walking into. Now, several of us have walked into bad stuff. There was always that glimmer of hope that I'll be fine. Jesus knew what was going to happen. There, there was no glimmer of maybe it won't. It was, it's always been and always will be the fact that he was walking to his death and death by cross. He knew what was coming and yet he walked forward anyway. He asked for help to be able to do it. Completely understandable. Understandable. But a lot of times we look at it and say, Hmm, he was God. Why did he need help? <laughs> well, he was also man. Jesus also prayed for his disciples. Verses 6 through 19. Jesus stops praying for himself and prays for his best friends. The eleven are with him. Judas is gone, as you recall. And so, he starts to pray for them. But why? These men have spent the last couple years walking with the Son of God. In our terms, in our way of thinking, why in the world would they need extra help? They have been trained by the man. The absolute best seminary possible. (laughs) Okay, that would be... here's, Here's where I'm coming down on this. That would be taking... A lawyer who's Harvard educated, and worrying if he can do the job, or a doctor from I don't know Johns Hopkins. Sorry, medical schools just kind of went out the window when I started. Um, And worrying if they know what a little toe is, (laughs) or you, you get what I'm saying. An MIT-trained engineer. I wonder if this guy has ever seen a screwdriver. (laughs) So, we're taking the disciples trained directly, one-on-one, by Jesus. And Jesus is praying for them. Because they do need help, and here's why. Verse 6, I have revealed your name to the people that you gave me. This is Jesus talking to God. To the people that you gave me from the world, they were yours, you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. Talking about the disciples. Now they know everything you have given is from you. Because I have given them the words you gave me. They've received the words and have known for certain that I came from you. They believed that you sent me. So Jesus is saying, God, I told them what you told me to. And they believed me. They believe everything I said. They believe that I'm your son. They know the truth. And in verse 9, he says, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, the rest of these heathens out here. But for those you have given me, the disciples, my friends. Because they are yours. Everything I have is yours, and everything you have is mine. And I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are. Jesus is already moving on. He knows what's coming, He knows He's going to the Father. These guys, these 11, they've got to stay behind. Halfway through 11, it says, Holy Father, protect them by your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. Now we know why Jesus is asking them to be protected. We spent last week talking about it. But he also says, so that they may be one as we are one. Jesus wants them to continue to grow. To continue to get closer to God. To never stop searching. Verse 12 says, while I was with them, I was protecting them. By your name that you've given me, I guarded them. And not one of them is lost, except for the son of destruction, so that the scripture may be fulfilled, Judas. One of them had to betray him. Judas was the one that gave in. So, while Jesus was on earth, he protected the disciples. He kept them from danger. He kept them from Satan, so that he could train them. I've kind of been in a situation like that. I've been in a little Christian bubble of a campus twice in my life. And I see a couple others that have too. (laughs) When you're there, the outside world doesn't exist. You're on this little campus and everybody there are Christian and striving to get closer to God. And all you do is talk about the Bible and things that pertain to God. The worlds of the world, or the worries of the world, don't really penetrate that bubble. That's a great place to be. <laughs> Here, here's the issue if you live in that bubble, there's no one to witness to. That bubble is just for a time, it's for training, it's for instruction, it's for healing. But eventually, you've got to get out of that bubble and walk into the world. And show them who you represent and what he's about. So, the disciples were in this bubble. They were protected by Jesus himself. And so now Jesus is leaving. And there will be no longer protection. They're going to have to go out into the world. And spoiler alert, all but one of them die. So, I mean, they did the charge. Before, earlier in chapter 17, Jesus was talking about the job that was given to him. God gave him a job. You know, one job, be the Savior of the world. (laughs) Yeah. We are also given a job. Mine is ministry. I ran from it. I know what it's like to not be in my job. And I know what it's like to be in my job. It's better to be in my job. Every Christian in the world has a job. All of us. And the job is not make sure the pew doesn't run away. Not your job to hold the pew down. We had screws on the floor for that. Trust me. I tried to pick one up that was screwed down. Um, We all have a job in the body of Christ. The trick is talking to God, figuring out that job. And then once you figure it out, do it! Do your job. That's it. Do your job. Jesus, just think. If Jesus, the disciples, any of those early church fathers decided not to do the job, where would we be? For instance, there was a great Scottish pastor. His name was Robert Murray McCaney. It's a long time ago. But he was a dynamic preacher, a dynamic pastor, a soul winner. Hundreds. And remember, we're talking about Scotland. Little bitty compared to Indiana. Hundreds came to know Christ under his ministry. Now, this man died in his 30s. And everyone around said, what a waste. Why did God take him so young? After he passed, there were 12, 20 young preachers that decided to take up the charge and replace Mr. Robert. Robert. God had used him until his ministry was done and then took him home. And after he took him home, many others stood up and did the job God called them to do. Billy Graham surrendered to the ministry, surrendered to his life to Christ under a pastor who is not well known. He did not have what we would call a dynamic, prolific ministry where thousands walked the aisle. But he preached and he did his charge and one teenage basketball player walked forward. That teenage basketball player was Billy Graham. Billy Graham went on to witness and lead thousands to Jesus. You're well, time on earth may witness, you may lead one person to Christ, but you don't know the plans that one person is gonna, you don't know what God has in store for that one person. It could be it, could be the next Billy Graham, could be the next pastor of the next Billy Graham, could be the next Sunday school teacher of the person who leads a nationwide revival. You could... It, it's, a, it's infinite what could happen. But you must do the job God has called you to do. That was a sidebar, my bad. That wasn't even, wasn't even in the notes. So, Jesus was worried for his friends. He was worried mainly because they're going to walk out without his protection and he's praying for God to protect them in verse 14 of chapter 17 he says I have given them your word the world hated them because they're not of the world just as I'm not of the world I'm not praying so that you take them out of the world y'all catch that? I'm not praying so that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them. I sanctify myself for them so that they they also may be sanctified by the truth. Now, we get it, because we know what happened to those guys. But there is a third group of people that Jesus' heart was burdened for. I'm a little biased, but this is my favorite group. It's us, me. Jesus prays for all the believers, past, present, future. Verse 20, I pray not only for those, but also for those who believe in me through their word. I pray not only for the disciples, but the ones the disciples lead to Christ. That's us, guys. They helped pin this. May they all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe you sent me. Job number one, have a close, fruitful relationship with God. Without that, what are you doing? Jesus' prayer was that we be one with the Father and Him, just as He and the Father are, just as the disciples and Him and the Father are. He wants the same relationship for us that He Himself had. Now where does that rank on the scale? Verse 22, I've given them the glory that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. I don't even know how to expound on that. (laughs) Jesus is in us. We say that a lot. Do we mean it? He is in us just like God is in him. All right. Dad preached this once before. And I never really understood it until I started ministry. But that was my fault because I didn't really listen a lot when I was a teenager. But still, he said. That God has a timeline. And in His timeline, everything happens perfectly. And it happens according to His timeline. And so, when we're in that timeline, he, we are protected from death until our ministry is fulfilled. I know a lot of people get really antsy when we start talking about dying. But we're doing this job that God has us to do. We will stay alive as long or until our ministry is fulfilled in God's timeline. Now for Brother Robert in Scotland, that was 30 some odd years. God took him home. For others, it's 80 and 90. For a few, it's over hundred. For Jesus, it was depending on which scholar you read, 31 to 33, till his ministry was fulfilled. For the disciples, it was quite a long ways more. For John, he lived to the end of his life. Matter of fact, he was so broken and so old that after his exile, when he come back, they lifted him up to the pulpit on a stretcher <laughs> and he preached. The man was resilient. I saw a preacher one time named Richard Owen Roberts. Got to see him live and in person at Jacksonville. That was a treat. He was a little bitty filler. And, and, I mean, I make, he made me look big. And he's a little bitty guy, a little short thing. And he just barely made it up them steps. People were coming to help him. He's like, no, leave me alone. And he got up them steps, and he come to the pulpit. And then all of a sudden, a booming power come out of him. And he started walking around this pulpit. I mean some of these guys are just resilient they have it they have the power of God in them they 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 would tell you they have not yet accomplished their goal they've still got work to do and they still do it he was in his 90's when I saw him preach <laughs> yeah so I guess it it's twofold one we're protected until we're protected until our ministry is fulfilled so god will keep us alive until our ministry is fulfilled and then when our ministry is fulfilled he will let us come home and two our job is not done until death so we figure out our job, we do our job, and we have to do it until death. That's our call, that's our charge, all of us. I always hear of preachers retiring. It's kind of funny to watch, because I don't technically call that retiring. But I've had a lot of preachers in the family, and they all retire. And what that means is they're leaving this church and going to another one. And instead of just changing churches, when they get to a certain age, they call it retirement. <laughs> And they go and do the same thing at another church. And then they retire from that one and go to another one. (laughs) And Some of them retire and become evangelists. They start a whole new career. Some of them retire and become interim pastors and preach for churches that are looking for one. They never really quit. Not until they die. Or they're physically unable. I do have one dear friend that... uh, has had cancer multiple times in his throat. He can't speak. He was a pastor. He graduated with dad in seminary. And uh, so basically he, he's out of the game for now. Now I'm not going to say what God will do with him from here on. But right now he can't speak. But it's interesting to watch and see what God does. But... Just know that Jesus is praying for us. Jesus prayed for us. He continually prays for us. And it, <laughs> I just realized I skipped my whole introduction. Um, you know, it's, it's great when your friends pray for you and, and pray on your behalf. It's nice when the pastors do it. It, It's something else when your family does it, when they're constantly praying for you. For instance, a pastor friend of mine told a story of a young boy by the age of 12. He got saved in church, was baptized, and I mean, it really got him. And a lot of you know what 12-year-olds are like. They are completely unfiltered and unashamed. Not really bashful. A lot of them have that, I'm just going to tell you what I think. Well, maybe it's just me. I don't know. But a lot of them do that. This young man got really, really interested in his uncle's salvational state. Because his uncle didn't go to church with him and he didn't understand why. And during this time it wasn't really proper for this young boy to go up and just start asking all the questions. So he said, you know what, I'm just going to pray for him. I'm sure he was guided by a good Sunday school teacher because what 12 year old just automatically comes up with that correct answer? So this young boy starts praying for his uncle every time he thought about him no matter where he was and he was faithful to do so and so eventually this uncle asked him and says young man every pair of pants you have does not have a knee left in it you need to explain that because your parents work hard to buy you those clothes and he looks up at him, he says, Uncle, I've been spending a lot of time on my knees praying for your salvation. Now, I'm sure that's not a direct quote. But it was enough to the fact that right there in the front yard, it broke the uncle and he fell and cried out for God. It's something when family prays for you. As a matter of fact, it's something when Christians pray for each other. But here we have Jesus himself, the man, praying for us. That right there should be enough to get the fire going. To know that the Son of God specifically prayed for us. That we would be one with Him and the Father as He and the Father are one. That should be enough. I'll finish this out. Verse 24 says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. So that they will see my glory, which you have given me, because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have. And when and they have known that you sent me? I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. Jesus' prayer was that all become Christian, that all get saved and have the perfect relationship with God. That's it. Jesus wants us to be with the Father just like He is. And He specifically prayed for our salvation. Now, to clarify, if you want to carry out Jesus' work, we must witness. Or, depending on your state, you must at first accept Christ as your Savior. If you want to be in on this, have to have Christ in you. And you have to strive constantly for that relationship. And I mean constantly. These last two weeks have been rough. Devil constantly trying to keep little bitty things going crazy. Nothing has fallen into place until Sunday. I mean, stuff like the mic trouble, that's been it. That's stuff like that all week for the last two weeks. The devil's constantly working against us, so we must be constantly striving to go forward. Otherwise, he's going to win the race. He's all the time pushing. Constant strife toward the relationship of God, whether it starts from accepting him and then moving, or if you've already accepted him and just need to get your rear in gear, then do it. Thanks again for joining us for another service with Grace Baptist Church. Connect with us using the social media links on our website, gbcevansville.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week.